Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. I'm Trevor. I'm Jake. And we're like Walter and Steve. Walter Jones, Steve Hutchinson. a boy. Come on, baby. I, you were telling me like, oh, we should do this, this, I won't get it. And I was like, I bet you if I say their first names, he won't get it. And, uh, well, here, here I, I am. am looking like an idiot. <laughs> here we are. Looking like a, a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Hey, cool. So, you know, we got some really exciting things coming down the line. Uh, we can't really get into it yet. There's some changes coming to the podcast that we're really excited about. Um, and, but one of the things that you guys will obviously notice when you check your iTunes this morning is that we're now recording and releasing shorter podcasts. And we're going to be doing that twice a week. Jake, do you have yeah. anything to add to that? I'm really excited. Um, I think that this is going to bring a lot more exciting content to the show. And I think that bringing more episodes a week in shorter doses is going to be better for the listener. Uh, Not such a long episode. And now you get to listen to us more than once a week. So lucky you. Yeah. You get to be like Casey and Miranda. You get to hear us multiple times a week. And they're happy as clams. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> you know what? And, and I'm sure that there's a lot of you that like our show and can't get to the end to hear Jake's awful picks. So this will be really good for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, oh, I'm really <sighs> starting to second thing this whole thing. I, I don't <laughs> the initial thoughts from this game, uh, Utah, number nine, Utah comes to Husky Stadium. Washington seems to have control for more than half of the game but end up falling to the Utes my initial thoughts was it felt very eerily similar to the Oregon game Washington had control in the first half and they they lost it in the second half when they had a chance to put the game away Uh, over the last few years again Washington wins these games but uh, that was with veteran teams yeah and to kind of jump on your point that it felt eerily similar to the Oregon game. I personally felt like it felt eerily similar to every loss that they had this year where they kind of had, I felt like they had control against Cal in the first half. I feel like they definitely had control against Stanford in the first half, even though we were down against Stanford. I feel like we outplayed Stanford. Uh, And then uh, Oregon, especially, you know, we had a two score lead on both and and this week, we definitely looked like a team that had a bye in the first half where we were very ready, very prepared, playing really good football. Our offense was in rhythm. Our defense was playing really stout against the run. But then in the second half, it just seems like there's the wrong adjustments or this young team gets a little tired and they start gashing us on, the, on, on their offensive side of the ball. You know, this is the first loss of Peterson's career after a bye week. He's now he was fourteen and zero coming in. He's now fourteen and one. This team, I felt like made some really good adjustments because this Utes defense is one of the best in the country. That secondary is really really good. Their defensive yeah. line is nasty, and they were able to kind of they they moved the ball. It was funny listening to the radio and having Elise Woodward ask Chris Peterson at halftime 
how they've been able to move the ball with ease on the Utah defense. And of course he said, nothing we do is easy, Yeah, but they were, it seemed like they were able to do kind of whatever they wanted to in that first half. There were some blown plays when it comes to more execution that kept them from being able to get up by uh, get more than those first two touchdowns. Yeah. In the first half, we had as many rushing yards. We were like four shy of rushing yards to Utah's average that they give up for an entire game. Right. We ended with the exact amount of yards that they give up every game. So we were on pace to almost double their rushing yards against, and they ended up just locking us down in the second half. But we were able to run against them. Minus the fumble, Skinny had was having a very productive ga- uh, game in the first half. And it just seemed like we were very prepared to take on that defense. Now, what that defense does, which is what they did, is they took the ball away from us. It was and – we, and we talked about this last week. You were extremely afraid of Jalen Johnson, who had an interception against us. And I picked Blackman, who was the safety – and he had an interception against us. And the one that Blackman had, I feel like, was kind of a heat check for Eason. That one came in the first half, and, and we were driving on them. And Eason kind of just threw it up in the corner of the end zone, and Blackman made a really nice play on it. But it was, Eason threw it into double coverage. And those turnovers, if you, if you take all those turnovers off the board from Washington, we win that game. They, we gave up 12, at least 12 points to Utah on turnovers and we end up winning by seven if we don't turn those that ball over yeah I agree man so like you know you I'm I'm obviously I do a lot of the defensive stuff on this podcast and just looking back at the drives that the Utes were putting together in that first half and and more importantly the first quarter Utah wasn't able to get anything done on this defense and Zach Moss look look baffled yeah yeah and they were Levi on for that first half was unbelievable. He was in the backfield, he was shooting gaps and he was able to stop Moss yeah. because it, before he could get started mm-hmm. and you know, that, that stupid little fumble led <laughs> to that, those three points when he was flushed out of the pocket. Yep. Um, you know, with it's so weird because we've been on the other end of this so many times over the last few years where teams have been able to stay with Washington a little bit. And then there's just this, it just seems like such a stupid little play where Washington's able to capitalize. You fans know this more than anybody. I mean, in that PAC 12 championship game, Shelley throws a first down to the receiver who falls down and kicks it up to Byron Murphy for the only touchdown of the game. Yeah. So it's really weird being on the other side of this. And this just goes to, why having seniors and guys who have played a lot of football makes you a better team. Yeah. Um, and then again, in the second quarter, they gave up that one big long drive. Washington turn, it turns the ball over on downs on a <laughs> Devin Culp drop that gives the Utes fantastic field position where they they only have to move it about 35 yards to get a field goal to bring it within one before halftime. And as a Husky fan, yeah. you're thinking, okay, 
if this was the Husky teams of old, you're in good shape because you're a veteran team that's going to win this game. But now at you're home. not. Yeah, yeah at yep. home, but now you're not. Yeah. And, and really, and you kind of just brought up kind of, for me personally, the turning point of the game for myself. And that was that Devin Colt drop. You're driving. You started deep in your own uh, side of the field. You're driving down the field. It's fourth down. We're it. It looks like we're going to run it up the middle, and then the the coaching staff remembers. Well, this is Utah. They have a phenomenal defense, big stout defensive line. We've kind of been able to run against them, but we're uh, we're slowing down. So they pull out kind of a trickery play, and you execute perfectly. Eason makes a great fake. Devin Culp is wide open, and Eason drops the most beautiful touch pass I'd seen from him all year right into Culp's hands. And the defender made a good play. He punches it out. But I personally still feel like Culp needs to catch that ball right there. And so we end up not getting any points out of that drive. We could have potentially scored a touchdown. Most likely we were going to score a field goal. But instead – Utah goes down and scores a field goal and pulls within one. And Utah fans are feeling real good about it. And Husky Stadium is real quiet. Yeah. And, you know, people are always going to. We've done it for years as as Seattle fans, as Husky fans. It's always the offensive coordinator. It's always the offensive coordinator's fault. I thought Bush Hamden called a really, really good game. I thought there was – I think there was more execution issues on things like that. Devin Culp is a very, very good tight end. The transformation that I've seen from him from when he got here as looking like a a small forward to now Mm. looking like a big tight end that's fast and has grand hands, he's going to be a very good tight end. And the thing that we have to remember is this team is young, and it's not because there has been some recruiting issues that I think have been fixed through replacing some coaches and bringing in some really, really good recruiters. The, therefore there's guys who are playing that aren't necessarily that wouldn't be playing if, if we were, if we're farther down the line when it comes to this new recruiting cycle, however, that guy's going to be good. And that the learning opportunity that kid had, I think is going to be big. The thing about Devin Culp this year, the two plays I remember him on, are plays that he doesn't want to be remembered by. And I think that's going to be something that's going to help him this off season. If he's got the right mentality, the two things that I remember about him were the drop yesterday and then the missed block on the fake field goal. What we can't do as fans and as media members is break a kid down, right? He does not. Because no, he doesn't suck. And what we can't do is sit there and beat these kids up and say how bad they suck and this and that and they're, they're garbage because these are, these are kids and we can attack their psyche. What we don't want is for Devin Culp not to have any confidence moving forward. We want this kid to be full of confidence so that next time he's put in the situation, he makes that catch and we win the game because he's a vital part of the situation. Right. As a young guy, this is these are learning reps for a developing guy. He he came in he came in uh highly regarded, but they changed his entire his transformation from when he got here to where he is now is pretty yeah. astounding. He's learning his new body. He's learning 
how to play at the division one level and the hits are harder. He's going to keep getting better and better. And this valuable experience of a failure is going to help him down the line. We as Husky fans have to be patient with the process. With that being said, in that moment, I would have liked to seen that ball go to Kate Otten. Oh, I would too. I'm wondering why, but what, what a better decoy than to have a guy that's had fewer than 10 attempts. Right. With that much talent. And, and you know, we're not seeing what he can do uh, in practices. And I'm sure he's, I, I mean, I'm, he came I'm in sure. as a receiving tight end. And, yeah. you know, he makes, that, I, he makes that catch most of the time, and he would admit that as well. Yeah, absolutely. The third quarter, Washington is still controlling the Ute defense. You can, uh, the Ute offense, you can start to see some things. You, the, the Utes were able to move the ball a little bit more, but Washington was able to force a punt, and then they got two fumbles in a row. Uh, and, unfortunately, they weren't able to separate themselves after that, when uh, Hunter Bryant scored his second touchdown of the game, I was starting to think maybe that was going to be the catalyst that took them to the win. Yeah. But unfortunately, the floodgates opened. Utah had three methodical drives in a row to score three touchdowns. And ultimately, Utah's defense, offense dominated Washington's defense when it mattered most. Well, and to cap that off, you know, Utah goes out and scores three touchdowns in a row. We have four possessions at the same time in the game where we go punt, interception, punt, punt. Yeah. So Utah's scoring 21 points, and we are just giving them the ball to go do it. What do you think was the bigger turning point? Was it the pick six, or was it the third and long where Washington would have been able to force Utah to punt? Uh, with the opportunity to take the lead, uh, my my opinion, I when I I was at the game and you were on TV. I was on TV. That was trippy. I got my phone blew up when I was sitting there. It was Everybody his mom. Was like I just <laughs> don't don't put me on blast like that, honey. I saw you on TV. Yeah, I'm so she posted it on Facebook. I'm like, she oh, said, mom. My not so little little boy was on TV. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's no, keep piling it on, Trev. Way to go, Therese. Go, go, keep on. Keep, I'm ready, dude. I, I love your mom. It. Whatever. I'd be <laughs> if your mom texted me a picture of me on TV, I'd be over the moon. Uh, it wasn't her, Trev. It was my dad. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> my little boy. <laughs> That third down, man, it, that kind of sucked the wind out of out of Husky Stadium. You have them, you have them third and twelve. Your defense had been playing great, and you let a ball go over the top, and it just took the air out of the building. You know it, and and it wasn't just for thirteen yards; it was for forty-one yards. Right. Unfortunately, it was on another young guy on Dom Hampton. Yeah. And that is kind of a shot to the ego for a young guy. You don't want to go out there and kind of lose the game for your team. But right now we're talking Devin, Devin Cup and Dom Hampton as, as two big plays that kind of are the, sw- the swinging points of this game. And I wonder on that one with, with Dom Hampton is 
the pass rush was so effective bringing four in the first half and what happened to him in the second half. In yeah. the second half, as effective as yeah. it was in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. What do we have, four sacks in the first half? And then yeah. zero in the second? Right. Joe Tryon was on a mission in the first half. Joe Tryon and Ryan Bowman seemed to be in the backfield every time Huntley dropped back to pass. And in the second half, there still was some pressures, but they made some really good adjustments at halftime to mitigate yeah. that. And Tyler Huntley was really, really good. Uh, he never threw two incomplete passes in a row. Yeah. Well, they started getting their running game going, which is kind of the great equalizer, right? And yeah, and that's that's you know, an offensive lineman breaking down a young, talented defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the first half, we kind of we got in the backfield a lot for four sacks for the game. We had nine tackle for losses, which is phenomenal. But then Utah starts gashing us on the ground, and all of a sudden, you can't be so aggressive anymore with the with the pass rush. You kind of have to. You kind of have to play the run a little bit. And that's when you see the 41-yard bomb down the field from Tyler Huntley because there is no pass rush on him. He's kind of got all day to sit back there and pick you apart. Yeah. And that's kind of what Utah's offense is predicated on, is the fact that we're going to run, 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 and we're going to gash you. Zach Moss is going to gash you for big chunk plays. And then you can't run, you know, you can't run the, you can't, bring pressure against Tyler Huntley and when Tyler Huntley has time to throw dude is super accurate down the field and he and it was proven yesterday that's exactly what Utah did and the reality is Washington just saw the two best teams in a row in this league and it's not close yep absolutely so that that will be the Pac-12 championship game barring something unbelievable happening with USC going down last night Boy, and they went down in flames. Holy cow. Yeah. I thought they, they were looking good, and then all of a sudden I turned the TV back on when I got home, and I was like, oh. Yeah. And, and you know, Oregon and, and, and Utah are really they, – they did similar things to Washington where Washington had a chance on both of them to beat them, and Utah, was, Utah and Oregon were able to wear down this young defense. And I think – this is not the best Oregon team I've seen in my life. Uh, I would say that that team with uh, Marcus Mariota on it that yeah. went to the playoff was a better team. This defense is better, but that offense was unbelievable. And it's, you know, it's two different coaching staffs, but this is the best Utah team I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. This Utah team is stacked full of talent, top to bottom. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm wondering – my guess would be that neither one of these teams will be the representatives of the, of the Pac-12 North and South next year, because this is absolutely both of their years. They have senior quarterbacks. They have depth in the defense. Oregon's offensive line has, is stocked full of seniors and one super good sophomore. So all of that, um, depth is ready to roll this year, and they're showing why they're the, the class of the pack. Yeah, th- these guys are absolutely ready to win right now. As we are at a different state in our program, we talked about it last week in our State of the Union podcast. We're young. There's a lot of turnover, especially in our defense. You know, you lose nine starters, and you have to retool and reload. And 
it kind of it finally took its toll on us. It, it, we've been waiting for this for a couple of years now, where you lose this much talent over and over and over again. You're going to have a down year, and this is the year. And it's okay because next year these kids will have that much more time in the system, and they will be older, and they will be ready to play. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Oregon is probably going to mirror Washington next year because I know that Oregon has stacked some really, really good classes together. So I think that just like this Washington team has shown flashes of being elite, they're going to struggle late in games against a team like Washington next year. I think that's going to have more juniors, a junior laden team going out and being able to play four complete quarters. All right, Jake, what do you give the quarterback? He's tricky. He really is. He has he has okay numbers. He went 29 for 52 for 316 yards. He had four touchdowns. That's an okay stat line. But then, though, there was that uh, two interceptions and the fumble. His turnovers by himself really set Utah up for success. Yeah. He had a pick six, which led to six. His, his other interception – we were driving, we were in field goal range, looking for a touchdown, and we turned the ball over. So that takes points off the board. And then the fumble deep in our in, in side of the field, and Utah, get they're already in field goal range, and they settle for a field goal. I got to give them, because of that, I got to give them a C. Yeah. I'll just give them a straight-up C. Yep. I think that's a really, really good spot to put, them, put him. Because I think that if – As long as he doesn't make those costly mistakes, Washington wins the game. And in the second half, yeah, and in the second half, when Washington needed him to be uh, Jake Eason, he they weren't able to keep drives going. And some of that was on some drops late in the game that really hurt Washington. yeah. Yeah, but he looked. Once he got knocked around a little bit, he looked he didn't look as comfortable as he as he did in the first half. He definitely leaves the pocket a little bit early for me. I think that he has room to step up in the pocket and make a throw instead of the pirouette to the outside, which has gotten him in a little bit of trouble, which is when he fumbled the ball. But he really did have a decent day other than the turnovers. So I think a C is super fitting for his grade. I think that's a that's that's good. Uh, what do you give the running backs? I'm gonna give them a C minus. I thought the first quarter, half into the second quarter, they looked real good. And if they had looked like that the rest of the day, they would have gotten probably an A. If they would have looked like they did in the first and halfway through the second quarter, they would have earned themselves definitely an A with the way that they were running the ball. But they definitely slowed down moving into – I think I think really what happened was I, – I don't feel like Savon Ahmed got any, any help on the day. You know, he might have gotten a little worn down. Sean McGrew suited up, only saw one touch for six yards. Kamari Pleasant saw the field a lot, never once saw the ball. He, Richard Newton He had one being, reception. He had one – yeah, one catch. No yeah. – no, no runs, yeah. No touches in the back – yeah, no touches in the backfield. Richard Newton's still being out. Savon Ahmed is our only healthy back right now. And he, it just seems like he's just a little overworked. And 
you know, he's he's seen a lot of the field and a lot of the, a lot of the time, man. That's when this offense is at, at its best is when you can rotate Ahmed, McGrew, Dick Newton, get those guys in with fresh legs, let them push that pile back and keep it going. Um, and it just seems like Ahmed's just wearing down a little bit. I was I was there. I got two points for you. The first one. Did Cam Davis see the field at all? No. Okay. And the other one, so just so everybody knows, I actually listened to the game on the radio because I was driving up to Anacortes to welcome the newest member of our family. My sister gave birth to a baby boy. And so I got to listen to the game. And and there's just some really, really good insights you get from Castor Cone and Heward and Woodward. And one of the things that Elise talked about was that after McGrew's first run that that looked really productive, she was she was actually surprised that we saw him at all because I guess in pregame warmups he looked pretty um, limited. Yeah, is it still the aftermath of the flu? I think that he said illness. I think there's actually something. I think there's going some on. sort of a lower leg thing going on. Maybe. So that that was a really interesting point, and then. After hearing her say that, she said, you know, I was really surprised that he was out there and he looked really, really good on that run. But I'm I'm assuming that he might have re-aggravated it to the point where he couldn't the, – the pain was such that he wasn't going to be able to keep going. The receivers. Receivers is also tough, man. I uh, – you know, everybody was wondering about Puka going into the game. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Definitely not going to play. He's going to be out for a while. He was rolling around on the sideline on a scooter with a boot on his foot. Yeah. I've heard five to six weeks. Yeah. That hurts this receiving core big time. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big play kid that can that can be also a possession wide receiver. Him being out really hurts this team. You had Bynum out there quite a bit. He had seven catches, 68 yards. That's an okay stat line. Man, I Kelly, like Terrell Bynum. I like Terrell Bynum a lot, too. I think Husky fans are going to fall in love with him over the next two years. Yeah, that kid's talented. Holy cow. He, uh, what a great possession receiver. Right. He's so he freaking tough, too. He had one drop. Um, I just think that this team has a little bit of the case of the drops, and I don't, I don't know why, but you saw it like you alluded to earlier. Late in the game, Hunter Bryant had a drop. Fuller had a drop. And they seem to be on crossing routes. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know if they're afraid to get lit up or if uh, – I wonder if it's the timing what, of not being able to see that ball coming out of his arms. Could be. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's weird that it's happening. Pacelli, he had an okay game. He had four catches, 29 yards. He had a couple of rushes. Fuller, three catches, 24 yards, but he had a touchdown. It didn't seem like we are targeting Fuller as much as we were like we did against Stanford. I think he's still a little bit banged up as well. Yeah. You know, I just – this team, this wide receiving core just isn't what it seems to be when Puka's on the field. I, I, Me personally, I want to see more of Bynum and Puka. A lot more of those guys because I think that those two are the most talented guys that we have in that group. So I'm probably going to give our wide receiving core a C minus. Offensive line. 
I give the offensive line, I give them like a A minus. Okay. I thought they played really, really well on the day. Yeah. Easton had he had a little bit of pressure late. It's Utah's defense. That and defense and they got, were in uh passing situations at that right. point. Right. Yeah. Yes. Utah could gear up and get after Eason and get pressure. And it, it, they still gave Eason a lot of time for the situation that they were in. Uh, Trey Adams got beat once. And when Eason got hit, I literally thought that Eason's knee was going to collapse underneath of him. It was a low hit on Eason's knee, and I thought he might have been down. Uh, fortunately, that kid's a rubber band, got right back up and threw a touchdown. But I think that offensive line played really, really well on the day. And they gave, you know, they gave some running room early in the day. They gave Eason all the time in the world during the game. And I think by far out of any group in this offense, they played the best. I'm going to, I mean, they did. I thought they played really, really well. One turning point that I didn't bring up that was really, really tough was after they got that fumble down on Washington's side of the field, they immediately had two false start penalties. Yeah, and, that, oh, yeah, and that, that was tough. And then they had – it just seems like the offensive line lost a little bit of concentration because on the next possession again, I guess that one was more on Eason because it was the, uh, it was the intentional grounding. But yeah. that seemed to be a little flick like, oh, oh, they've lost, they've lost that concentration. And I'm not really sure why. Um, and I mean, it was on one of them was Kate Otten and the other was yeah. Aaron Fuller. So, I mean, both of the Aaron Fuller is definitely not an offensive lineman. So I guess I couldn't yeah. put a lot on him and why a receiver would ever be offsides is beyond me. Right. When you should be just watching the ball instead of listening to the snap count. Exactly. Okay. Defensive line. Give me your grades. So I'm going to go, of course, I'm going to do it. Defensive line in those outside linebackers that are lining up. I'm going to give them a B plus on the day. I thought that they were absolute A in the first half. They were so dominant, keeping Zach Moss in check, uh, getting pressure with four on Huntley. And they, I, I felt like for most of the day, they were doing their job. I thought that they wore down. Again, we're still dealing with freshman and sophomore bodies. But they did what they needed to do to have Washington win that game. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Tryon had his coming out party for Holy sure. Cow. He was so yeah. dominant. I mean, yep. he the the two games that he had a dominant Arizona game and he had a dominant half. Yeah, but unfortunately, absolutely. we didn't see him much in the second half. Looking at the defensive line in the second half, you probably get him about a C. And so putting that together, I'd say a B plus because of how dominant they were in the first half. Yeah, I totally agree with that grade. I, I love that the way that they played the first half. It was... It was exactly what I've been waiting for. It was all vintage year Washington defense. football. Oh boy, right? yeah, it was fantastic. Joe Tryon, I was drooling watching him. He was incredible in that yeah. first half. That kid is a big physical kid, and I love watching him wreak havoc in the backfield. And, and I'll go and back not to enough and not enough credit to Ryan Bowman. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, I already mentioned him. No big deal. <laughs> so I know, but I don't feel like we give him enough. Sorry, I keep cutting you off, but I don't feel like we give Ryan Bowman enough credit. Well, and people have said over the last last couple of years that eventually Ryan Bowman's one of those guys that's really good on a building team that's not going to be able to contribute on a really good team, but he yeah. keeps just being really, really good. <laughs> right. So 
Go Wolverines, so, right? <laughs> linebackers, inside linebackers. Give me a grade. Uh, D. Okay. Now, this D grade is predicated on Kyler Manu and Wellington, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to – I am clamoring for more Jackson Sermon. He played that really hit, well. Man, that hit that he put on that running back on that two-point conversion. Yeah. From the angle that I sat, I'm looking right down the end zone. If Fox Sports had a camera on the goal line, they reversed that call because he was absolutely in. That's kind of what they were saying on the radio as well. Um, Yeah, he was 100% in. Yeah. But the fact that he laid a licking to a running back and pushed him backward when the running back has a full steam ahead, that's what we have been waiting for. Jackson Sermon is an absolute beast of a man. The kid laid a licking, and I want to see more of that. Kyler Manu, at points of this game, sorry, and I'm taking your segment from you, but points of this game, Kyler Manu looked like a, a drunken man out there turning around and turning around and turning around. Spin move, spin then, move, spin move. Yeah, right. And then you watch Jackson Sermon come out there and absolutely pop somebody and drive him backwards. That is the type of linebacker that – every fan of UW has been wanting for and asking for all year. Yeah. And I think at some points, the beginning of the year, Jackson Sermon kind of looked like a liability with the way that he was moving. But I think again, guys, we're looking at sophomores and freshmen. Yes, exactly. He is getting better and better and better. And next year, as the game slows down for him, I think you're right that he's going to be that next big, like Azim Victor type hitter. And hopefully yes. he's able to shoot gaps uh, a little bit better than Azim did his senior year. But I think that's the, that's the mold that you can see Jackson Sermon filling. And that's, that's talent development. And that's why I, we're all excited about Chris Peterson coming here is because that's what he does. Yep. I am super intrigued by the thought of next year's linebacking cores. Because if you think about the linebackers that we have sitting in, in, in waiting, we have Jackson Sermon. Yep. We have Daniel the Hammer Haimuli. Keep going. We have Josh Calvert. Yep. We have MJ Tafisi. Yep. We have – who's the other kid? Leia Tulatu. Yes, exactly. And all of these linebackers next year are going to be hungry to play. I think all of these linebackers – that we have waiting for next year all have different, completely different skill sets. And I am super excited to see what they bring to the field next year. I feel really, really like encouraged, even though after this loss, it's, it's easy to feel discouraged. Social media is, is a blaze. I got off of it because it's so negative right now. Right. But right. man, look at what's coming down the line and look at these valuable reps these guys are getting. On the other hand, you know, when it comes to Manu and Wellington, it's their senior year. I, I think they've gotten their playing time. Uh, I think that they've shown what they want to. You want to make sure you give them a good head nod on senior day. But, you know, maybe it's time to start getting these younger guys some reps, like you were saying. Absolutely. Especially against the Colorados of the world, uh, Oregon State. Unfortunately, yeah. I think it's a really bad time to play Oregon State because I think that they're really starting to catch their stride and their rhythm. So you can't 
you can't go into this game thinking that it's an absolute win and that it's going to be good time to get young talent out there because I think they're playing really good football right now. Yeah, but what's but, the what's the step down from Latu and Sermon, or uh, to or that uh, oh Udafisi, the guy that uh, yeah, you know who I'm talking about, the one who yeah. uh, knocked that ball loose. I mean, that guy, his first two plays on special teams last year were fumbles. And then he comes out and he gets some playing time out here and he gets another fumble. I mean, he's probably, he's going to be a great special teamer. I don't know if he's going to be able to see the field for extended periods of time, Yeah. but what's the step down from those guys to what we, what we're putting on the field right now? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. I don't know. I mean, I, it, we kind of just have to wait to see, right? Right. Secondary Trev. I'm going to give him a C. I thought that on first, Jake, you kind of helped me out with this a little bit. I'll give you some credit. And, and I agree oh. with you. First, <laughs> shut up. First and second down, they were really, really good. Uh, and I think some of that was some of the pressures that Washington's front seven was able to get on Huntley. But in third down in obvious situations and in long distance situations, they – they do they do things that Washington secondaries don't do. Yeah. Uh, that forty one yard reception on third and twelve mm-hmm. was one of the biggest turning points of the game, and Husky fans don't get used to seeing that. Right. I I mean, you have you have some young guys who are are are, are taking lumps right now that's going to get fixed. Those guys are so freaking talented back there. They're good players. You see flashes of how elite they can be. And I think that's just going to help them going forward. But yeah, as of right now, it's, it's kind of a liability. You're, you're, I, I get nervous when. Uh, it's passing situations. I, yeah. And I don't know. Cause I don't, I still have a lot of faith in them, but they have, they, there was definitely some warts yesterday. There- there's definitely been more letdowns this year in those situations than there has been in previous years. Oh, absolutely. Jake, who's your player of the game on the offensive side? I'm going to say Hunter Bryant. Even though he had a drop late in the game, dude's performance was unreal. He had six catches, 105 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah. That one touchdown that he had, I don't think he's ever been as open as he was <laughs> in his – in that play as he's ever been in his entire life. I don't think anybody's ever just been like, Hey, where's Hunter Bryant at? You know, like people just forgot that he was on the field. And when he caught that ball, I'm like, Oh, Oh, he's like, there's nobody within 30 yards of him. Yeah. Uh, great miss. He, he great broken tackle on the way to the end zone. I think that he had a really, really good day. Um, and if I'm looking at the rest of the offense, there's really nobody else to pick. You, if Eason cuts those turnovers to just one, you could say that it would have been him. Right. You you were never going to pick a running back. Your defensive MVP. Give me what you got. Levi on Wuzurike. I I don't disagree with that, but I would say somebody else. Yeah, you'd say Joe Tryon. Incorrect. Who'd you say? I would say Elijah Molden. Okay. I I really liked how he played on the day. Give me why you're picking on Zarika. I thought he was so disruptive when it came to keeping Zach Moss in check. I thought that he was a force in the backfield. When you're 
an interior lineman and you have seven tackles on the day, you're yeah. doing a really good job. He had a half a sack and another tackle for loss, bringing him up to a, a, a 1.5 tackles for losses. That is a dominant day from an interior lineman. Yeah, you changed my mind. Good job, Trev. I Thank also – I agree. There is a lot of development going on. You're seeing these younger players get better. They're going to be relied upon next year. And I think that the future is bright for this Washington program, regardless of whether Skinny Eason comes back or not. So be mad about the loss. I mean, we're going we're gonna to stay positive over here. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. All right, go dogs. Go dogs.